Hi, Nya Zhong. For my season one finale, I am so thrilled to bring to the world of podcasting and the Hmong community this amazing story from Zhuo Wang. Parent advocacy happens naturally, but as we know, cultural stigma and awareness can prevent opportunities to advocate when your child is diagnosed with a developmental disability. Join me as I learn from one of the fiercest Hmong mother advocates I've had a great honor to connect with, as she eloquently in Hmong describes how we as a Hmong community can move forward with compassion in treating individuals with a disability with dignity and kindness. Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk About Autism in Ponglish podcast. To be honest, today I'm a little nervous because I'm interviewing probably one of the best interviewers <laughs> I've ever met or known of. Um, she is uh, an amazing, amazing mom and parent advocate that we've had the pleasure of meeting in one of our groups. And when she first came to our uh, one of our first parent support meetings. I, I remember, Joa, I remember you, um, not everyone had their uh, cameras on, but you did. And you, you looked, you looked very, uh, I could tell you were kind of like, I don't know what this group is all about, but I definitely want to find <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, I think that was a lot of parents, but you definitely um, shared your story and I was just blown away by it. And I thought, wow, you know, like, your parents a you know like um in my white counterparts right because um yeah. being in the field you know um uh, there are parents who you go okay they really they they went that extra mile for their child and you're kind of, you're a little nervous because you're like wow um, they can pretty much, they, they know how to work the system, which is great, right? And you go, how does one in the midst of parenting a child with, you know, a disability with all the time and energy that comes with that, how do, are they able to garner even more time and energy to be that parent advocate that just wows everybody and, 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 changes how the system works so mom parent that is like the mom mom parent that's like that you're such a role model to me so everyone i'd like to welcome to the podcast Joa Ving. thank you for joining me today oh Tia, thank you so much for inviting <laughs> me it's such a pleasure to meet with you and to learn from you and and it's really been an honor just to get to know you, right? Um, and to know that we have a Hmong sister who works in the field of ABA who is um, so wonderful because we thought we were alone in this world of ABA, you know, 10 plus years ago when we mm -hmm. first entered it. And so it's been really nice for me, for us. We, we were just surviving and yeah. now... Um, to know that there's many amazing families who are doing the same. It's refreshing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, I hate to say it, you guys are kind of like pioneers in that parent advocacy realm, right? And that's why I invited you to come talk today about um, and share your story. And oh gosh, I, you know what, I was going to ask you if you're okay with it. I'd love to share your YouTube link that you've shared with our group before. If I can link that. Um, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I have to warn, though, that was done a while ago. It's time for a new video. Yes. I got to get going on that. But absolutely. Please do. Okay. I, I think that every, I'd love for not just our Hmong parents, but every parent to watch that video and just be able to understand, you know, like, you know, you hope that they understand and see and feel that love and your video captures that so well. But let me start at the beginning. Tell me about yeah. right? We were just talking about her. Oh my gosh, she's a teenager. And uh, um, yeah. yeah, so tell me about Alyssa, you know, um, her interests. And then also, can you share about her diagnosis? So, you know, we uh, the podcast is Let's Talk About Autism and Ponglish. But, um, you know, you came to our group because 
because you were interested in just seeking more information about the ABA component or just that parent support component, right? Or just support of eating kind. And so that's kind of where that fits in with the ABA because you guys have had experience with that. And then if you could share more about her age up diagnosis and um, just current school placement, what she's doing. I'm just so interested in here because I know it's been a while since you and I caught up. <laughs> yeah, no. So Alyssa is 14 years old. Wow. She is, yeah, she is our second of three children. Okay. Our oldest is 16, Alyssa's 14, and the baby is 10. And it's been quite a learning curve, you know, like, so, um, so I think, I think, I think, I think, I didn't grow up with disability, right? right. I, I, I had one cousin, and I think maybe I saw her a handful of times, but my parents didn't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Which is literally translating saying if the person looks disabled or different don't stare too long because you will be cursed with what they have and so when you really think about that and that was my upbringing because my mother taught me what her mother taught her yeah what they've known for generations you know So this is the way I grew up until I had Alyssa, right? And you know, So with all these delays of not being able to turn, um, not babbling. I kept looking. I said, this is not right because and I knew mm-hmm. that there were certain milestones that he hit. Yes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. And I know that disability you know, right? So early intervention, you know, why not step in and do something to help when we can? And um so that was why we fought. So we fought um for over a year and then um like maybe a dozen doctors and specialists. And like that, oh, Nima, you're just stuck with Leo the late bloomer here. Need to me on a bitch with that, like you might actually be named Chen Chen Dong Tong Hong Lat Su, Anna. Professional Sama or Mong? Yes, yes, doctors. doctors. So we saw like doctors or child development specialists. So at seven months, she was already in speech and physical therapy, even though there was no official diagnosis, Mm -hmm. just that there were delays. Okay. So. Um, then we kept pushing and when they said that we said, okay, well then we're just going to have to go elsewhere because doctors in Fresno just probably don't know. We'll go to LA or San Francisco and try to get a diagnosis. And that's when they said, well, there's one test. insurance You know, my day job is an advocate. And mm-hmm. so don't don't worry about the insurance. Let me handle that. And so they ran the test and they called us and they said, oh, now we know. She did not look disabled, but she has something rare um, called Angelman syndrome. And one in 15,000 births will result in Angelman syndrome. But a lot of times they'll just dismiss it as autism 
or cerebral palsy mm -hmm. or just delays because it's difficult to get that diagnosis because you have to really, really look at the blood work. Okay. And so, um, not Elena. And so Angelman was really scary. You know, they said um, she would never talk. She may not walk. She would have seizures and learning disabilities. And so pretty much good luck. And, you know, um, that's what you got. So my husband and I, we came home and we said, well, what can we do? You know, and he, he quit his job and he was a newspaper photographer and went back to school. He became a pediatric RN. Um, now works with kids with uh, disabilities wow, at Gillette, yeah. Um, Hospital. Yeah. And so I left my job and that was almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I left my day job to come home and be her full-time advocate. So, you know, as we talk about Alyssa, she is so amazing. So I, I first want to preface and say that it isn't that we've done anything to her. It's that she is who she is, yes, right? She's yes. funky and <laughs> she's crazy and, <laughs> and, and she's fierce and yeah. she, you know, anything that her brothers get, she wants. Mm -hmm. So we have just been supporting her so that she can reach her potential, right? Yeah. She's really led the way and her dad and I and her brothers we're just trying to keep up with her. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Alyssa is now, now 14. She um, loves her cousins, loves BTS, Harry Styles. <laughs> you know, she speaks with a communication device. Yes. She started walking at two and a half. And um, she tells us, like, she'll tell Google to play BTS for her. Or... <laughs> so she doesn't talk through her mouth. But we have fought and fought and fought and challenged people to believe in her, to believe that she can learn. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I don't want to say that, oh, you know, she doesn't have any needs because that would not be true. She has a lot of um, supports and such special training that people need to encourage and to inspire her to give her best. Right. Yeah. Um, but but I think I think she has led the way. And so she's a typical 14 year old, loves going to the movies. She especially loves um live plays and Aww. she boxes everyone around so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where Alyssa is now but, yeah. but it hasn't been easy getting there mm -hmm. and I know that it's not going to be easy moving forward it, it never has been and and truthfully it's never been for any of our children right like right. even our typically developing ones Jonathan and, and and Matthew Alyssa's brothers they need support and encouragement mm -hmm. too and so I think Sometimes, yes, um, Alyssa needs different types of supports, but um, I, I'm very mixed when people say she has special needs because mm -hmm. let's never forget as parents that Alyssa's needs are not special, right? She wants love. She wants unconditional support, and she wants friends, and she wants to reach her potential. Everything I said about Alyssa, her brothers want to. Exactly. Yeah. I think what's different about Alyssa is that she requires and wants to have different types of supports that her brothers don't need. And I think that, you know, you know, even the same thing. Mm -hmm. We are having such a difficult time. I'm still learning to wrap my mind around disability and this world that I was brought up in and the world that I'm seeing change in front of my eyes, you know, I used to think that but right? the support that she needs is different, but she's not that different. It's just like yeah. she, she's just a human. It's just like, Right? Mm -hmm. It's just that different type of support. It doesn't mean they're less smart or that they're less human. And I think that's something that we really need to grapple with as a community as we move forward because we need to allow um, ourselves to, to, to be students too, right? And kind yes. of we know everything. And to me, that's been the most humbling thing is that my daughter has been my front row seat to really be able to learn um, with community and, 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 and myself. Yeah, absolutely, Joa. That is a, a great message, you know. Um, 
I just wanted to kind of go back to uh, what you shared about your mom. So now she's been she's been kind of an active participant in Alyssa's journey for the last 14 years. Do you feel like her mindset or framework or perspectives has changed when it comes to disability? Now that she's Absolutely. seen yeah, how you've advocated. Absolutely. I, I think that there are things that are in theory, right? How you start out too much in bowling, how you bought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ขอยูซาตัวเนี่ยได้ได้สิจิตตัวให้ลิจาเลยยุนชั่งจ๋าถ้าชีนึลุจีจองบอลิจาเนเทลิชูตัวลูกคอมพิวเตอร์นะ Oh my gosh, she works so hard in order to talk. Right. Right. Yes. And so, you know, and she's just talking. And some people are very impressed. Why are they impressed? They're impressed because they thought she could never do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that it's not bad. And I don't think it's a judgment. I think we all need to grow and learn, you know, and, and I'm growing and learning. And so, and so absolutely, Gunia, she has seen these things. She is Alyssa's biggest advocate, right? Yeah. Um, but but it's because she's been lucky enough to have Alyssa in her life and to really be willing to learn and to grow with Alyssa. Because whether or not we come along, Alyssa's going to leave us behind. So we're yes. just trying to do our best <laughs> to keep up with our little girl, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and that, I love to hear that, you know, and I, I don't know how much your mom shares her story with, you know, right? You know, I don't know if she's like, yeah. oh, you know, and I hope that she is because I'd love for that generation to understand and, and have that empathy, right? That compassion yeah. for that. Because, yeah, you let the bottle, let your bottle, right? So, yeah. oh, you know, um, right? It's right? Like we need to like do away with that, right? And then your mom really got to see like, oh gosh, that is very outdated. We should not repeat that because it's not true, you know, and it's hard it could be harmful, y'all. Um and I wonder how many of even generation our peers that maybe still believe that because that's all they heard too. That's all they knew too, right? right? Because in their circle, in their world, maybe there were no individuals with disabilities. So that framework kind of worked for them. It made sense. And then it really does open your eyes once it hits your family, right? Or someone you know, you care about and you're going, oh, no, 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 that's not a fair lens to look at the world through. So that's very interesting. And how sad, right? Um, for someone growing up who doesn't have um, the ability to grow up with someone with a disability, right? Because mm-hmm. then your world is automatically smaller. Yeah. And then if if we see someone with a disability and we are so uncomfortable, we need to look away, we need to leave them alone because we don't want them to think we're bothering them. Think about their world. I think that the the saddest thing is the isolation. It's not the disability for yes. my daughter. She's extremely social and she loves people, right? And um, I think that if people were to treat her like that and to act like she isn't there and to not see her because they don't want to offend her, that would hurt her more than her disability. Absolutely. Because what she craves for is human connection right. and love. And so now that we know better, I hope we can all try to do better, right? And there's Absolutely. still so much more to learn. Yes. Yes. And um, again, back to that amazing video that I'm going to share. Um, every time, you know, when you, uh, gosh, we did a, we did a live in with a, few, a year ago, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. um, I tell you, everybody who watched that video, they would message me like, oh my gosh, Tia, you know, I, I didn't think I would cry, but I'm sitting here crying. I'm like, yeah, I've been crying for days, <laughs> you know? 
And so like that Aww. video, it just really tugs on my heart, you know, and um, and you said too that she's not that little girl anymore. So do you feel like you have to like create a new one, an updated video maybe, you know, as she's into this next transition, <laughs> into this next chapter of her life as a, a, a teenager and oh my gosh, soon adulthood, you know, school's going to be ending in just a handful of years. I mean, I'd love to know where you're at with that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, that's definitely something that, um, I've rewritten a script for, but okay, I just need to, yeah. other things in life keep, keep <laughs> taking precedent over that. But, yes. you know, the reason why I did that and mm-hmm. why I still think that that is so important is because when your child has a diagnosis, a label, right? People look at that and they make all these assumptions about what they can and can't do. And they already put your child in a box. And I think, that can be useful, right? Sometimes for academia and, and and the medical field because they need to quickly make decisions about your child. But I sometimes think that that can also be very harmful because sometimes it limits your child and it they see your ch- child as a diagnosis and not as a human being and all of their potential. And so for me as Alyssa's mother, I feel like it is my job to make sure that people see her as this complex, amazing, you know, spunky, smart little girl that she is. And I don't think that if you go and look at any formal doctor's write-up or any medical evaluation, they're going to focus on these things. But I think as her mother, it's my job to tell people these things. And I think that um, as somebody who um, is uh, lived a whole life working in communications, it's our jobs to communicate. And I, and I think communicate the good things, but also the things where you need supports, right? Yeah. So I think you have to also be real in this stuff. And I hope that that's what people get out of the video is how to best support Alyssa, how to best work with her. Um, but to also let them know that we are all in this together, you know, that we are truly a team. And this is my story about Alyssa. Um, and this is how much she means to me. And these are her superpowers and her gifts. Because a lot of times, it takes people a while to think about our children or our loved one in that lens to kind of see what is their superpower and how can mm-hmm. I inspire and bring that out and not just require, right? Because any one of us, if we're just going to lay demands on somebody, even my, my boys, they're not going to respond to it as well as if they're inspired. So if I can help this therapist, if I can help this new teacher figure out what makes Alyssa tick and help them figure out how to inspire her to work harder, it's going to work for me and work for the new person coming into our life so much faster than letting them flounder for three to six months into the school year before they can see that my child has these amazing superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's what the video does for me, um, is that it is important for us to proactively communicate and challenge people to see our children as the complex human beings that they are and not just a diagnosis. Absolutely. Um, and like you said, sometimes, you know, when an in, uh, individual comes in and you're like, oh, they have angelmans, here's da-da-da-da, right? And they just assume that mm-hmm. they're all there. There's so many assumptions, right? Um, but then yeah. also you have the parents who come in and are just like, oh, you're the professionals. You know what to do. Here she is. And it's like, no, like we, as the professionals, we want to know more, right? We want to understand at the core of this individual, who are they, um, who are to their family, right? Because we're not treating just the individual, we're treating the whole family, you know what I mean? So it's such a beautiful way to say, hey, you know what, step into our world. Um, and, and it's not just because we see you for X hours per day, like we're immersing yeah. ourselves into your world, you know, and um, you know, this is not just Alyssa, the client, this is Alyssa, the daughter of, the sister of, you know, yeah. and this yeah. individual. So it's so amazing. Um, I think that, you know, not everybody has um, the time to put this amazing video together, but how do you recommend it? You know, um, I mean, I, I have had parents in the past and it, as a, at the time, as even a line staff, you know, it was helpful to kind of see like, okay, this is where they're at, you know, and understanding where their family's coming from, where they're at in their journey and how I can be a small part of that. But, you know, like you said, having that little bit of inspiration to go, okay, how do I fit in and how do I help them? 
while they're on their journey, right? Because we're a very small presence in your life, but you know, we we appreciate that opportunity to do so, but definitely is helpful. And I, I just loved it so much. I, I really want to share just the idea of your video. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that a lot of parents um, think you would consider that as something that they would put together to show every single person that comes into their home to serve their child, right? Or even school. So it's a great idea. I love it. That's a simple way. But like, again, let's be honest, like I can make that home video and I really literally did. I shot Mm -hmm. it with my phone. I edited it with iMovie. (laughs) But but I was also a former news reporter, right? I have those skills and not everybody can have it. So it's owning and recognizing my privilege. But that doesn't stop a mother from having the confidence to say these lines when she steps into a meeting, right? Um, About her child. Because I have been in so many meetings where even if you don't have a video, it's your job to represent your child and to tell their story and tell their story well. Because you know what, at the end of the day, and I've had some people give pushbacks when I advocate for a listen. They go, well, what do you propose we do in this educational environment or in this setting? Like, if you think you know it all. And I, I have to be very clear. And I have to say, you know what? I have a PhD in Alyssa. Like, yes. I am the expert on my child. Here's what I know. But my job is not to do the speech stuff. That's your job. Like, I can tell you this won't work but I don't tell you what will, that's your job, right? right? And so let's work together and find a path forward that would work for Alyssa. And so I think it's very clear because sometimes when you come off and you talk so confidently about your child, that's the flip side is that people step back and want you to do it all. And so mm. I think it's really important to know mm-hmm. your role yes. and why you're at the table. You are at the table as a parent because you have a PhD. You may not have a PhD in a lot of things, like I don't. <laughs> But I have three. I have them in my three children. Yes. Right? I know by the way they look. I know by the sounds they make, how they're feeling, what it is they're going through. And so that is my job to do that and to advocate for their needs and wants. And right now, John can vocalize and tell, you know, say, speak up for himself. So I'm stepping away from that role as he learns to take on that voice. Same with Alyssa. She's doing the same exact thing. We get into rooms like this in the mornings when I um, put on her van to go to school. There are times when I'm like, oh, Alyssa, and I'm trying to talk to the van driver who we love because we formulated this amazing relationship. Mm -hmm. She will advocate for herself. And she's like, mom, I don't need you to talk my behalf anymore. She will (laughs) sit in the van and she'll start waving to me, telling me it's independent time, mom. I need you out of here, right? And so so it's reading her cues and going, okay, she doesn't need me as much anymore. She's got these relationships. She loves these people. She needs me to be advent so that she can formulate her own relationships. And so I think it's it's all of that, right? And not being afraid to do it until they don't need you anymore. So we're noticing with Alyssa that amazing shift. When she was smaller, it was constant battling for services. It mm-hmm. was like, let's give her more physical therapy so that she can start walking, even though we don't know if you based on her diagnosis, if you guys believe that she can ever even walk, she may not talk. And based on her diagnosis, you're saying she won't. But I I believe that she's smart enough. And how will we know if we haven't tried and we're going to shake every tree, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think when she was smaller, it was a lot of that. It was, yes, she doesn't have a um, medical diagnosis of autism, but she does have an academic diagnosis of autism. And so it was this back and forth about, should she get ABA services? And right. we believe that she did. And she benefited from that for many, many years where we had someone in the house, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week on top of her 20 hours of school. And when she was in elementary school, so this poor yeah. little girl was working 50, 60 hours a week with people living with us for years. Mm-hmm. And um, she still continues to work hard. So I, I don't can't even say that I've done anything because Alyssa's done all the heavy lifting. She's put in the hours. She's put in the work. And so when she was smaller, it was a lot of that. Now, you know, we still have those pieces that we're trying to keep up, but it's about inclusion. It's about letting her light shine so people can get to know her and not her mother. And making sure that she gets into, you know, general ed classes and has an opportunity mm-hmm. and is supported in a way 
that she can shine so people get to know Alyssa and not us. She's she's actually downstairs. She's been home all week still. Uh, <laughs> she, she had she had the cold. And uh-huh. so early on in her academic career, we were fighting for inclusion. And it yeah. was just oh so many minutes of her being able to be in the same room, breathe the same air as the other students. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, we've got such a wonderful situation at her middle school where she's been out and we've been getting texts from teachers and students, people saying, hey, how's Alyssa doing? You know, we're wondering about her. When is she coming back? Mm -hmm. And to me, that is full inclusion. Inclusion is when her gifts are missed. You know, people Mm -hmm. recognize she's not there and they want to know that she's okay. As Alyssa's mom, that is my dream for her, that when I'm not here anymore, mm-hmm. that if I'm, I'm missing, that somebody will look up and say, hey, Alyssa's not here. The world is not as great a place without her. And so that's what we're fighting on now is that yeah. next level of inclusion, not just saying, oh, you know, she's in the same classroom. She's in the back and we're, we're keeping her in the corner so she doesn't bother the other students, which mm-hmm. is how it used to be, right? Yes. And so it's been battling through all of that. and. Once I put my kid in the room, she does it herself. People fall in love with her because yeah. she's a crazy, silly <laughs> little girl who <laughs> is funky and has her own friends. But she, I need to do my job to ensure that she has the supports so that she can shine and people can get to know her. And that that is an ongoing, ongoing journey, right? There are yes. good days and there are bad days mm. and we're in a good spot now, but any parent with a child with a disability. I mean, she's 14. She was diagnosed mm-hmm. at one, which means we've been in this world for 13 years. Yes. Knows that <clears> there's <throat> going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. But overall, I feel like we, we keep moving in the right direction. So. Yes. And I was just going to say, you've been doing this since advocating for her. I think, like you said, all parents, you advocate for your child, but um, you had to advocate a little bit more loudly. Uh, harder since she was two three months when you started noticing those delays and so I'm still shocked and astounded at how you convinced them to give your seven-month-old speech therapy please tell me how you did that what did you say (laughs) (laughs) I bet there are a lot of families out there who are like I I wouldn't even know where to start how do I justify that request you know like what do I do what do I say Mm -hmm. like what what was going and of course you had that background too where you you don't back down and you keep pushing yeah, forward yeah. Um, and then doing your research and, you know, bringing that back to the table. But like, yeah, how, tell me about that advocacy process for her as a seven month old to get. Well, um, yeah, I have to be honest and say, you know, she got the early diagnosis because I have to own my privilege, right? I had yes. so many things going for us. Not only was I, you know, the policy and communications director at a children's advocacy agency. So I had a lot of these things built in to have the tools to do it. Not only that, I think the only reason why I caught it so early and I was so confident in my pursuit of what is going on is because at our agency, it was first five Fresno County at the time we were living there. Um, we really were teaching parents to be better advocates for their children because mm-hmm. we had put a lot of our funding into early diagnosis because we all know the research proves that the earlier somebody gets diagnosed, the sooner the intervention, the better the outcomes. Yes. And so one of the things that my department was charged with doing was we, we, we paid all this money for pediatricians to have this special training. Um, on what to identify, uh, you know, typical um, delays and things like that. After all the training, the pediatricians came back and they said, well, it was wonderful training, but, you know, the exams are only, you know, 20 minutes or so, and we didn't have time to do the screenings. Mm -hmm. Then we pulled our money back and we said, we have to empower parents. We have to give them the tools. And so my department thought, well, I mean, how do we, easily package and allow parents to access this information. So we started shooting videos for every month of development and telling parents what a child, a a small baby was supposed to do it every month. Mm -hmm. And so then what we did is on our website, we uploaded, we um, got permission for this, um, this test and we uploaded all these worksheets that parents, if they really wanted to, 
could go on and print and say, at one month, is my child doing all these things and mm-hmm. run this test, ASQ, and it went ages and stages questionnaire. And it would tell you, oh, you're a child. You really need to go talk to your pediatrician. Take this paper in in case they blow you off and say it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if but if they're doing great, then, you know, you get the scores and you're good. So I had just had Alyssa. And I had come back from maternity leave and my staff had been Mm -hmm. working on this project while I was out. I started running those when Alyssa was four months old. And so her brother, you know, it goes up to age five, was passing with flying colors. So when we did Alyssa's at age four, like she came out in the black area, like concerning. So I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. either our tool that we're going to release into the community is bad. Or there's something going on here. So at five months, it still was not good. She was not hitting a milestone. At six months, she wasn't. And so I just took that in and I said, we have to really look at this. And thank goodness we had a great pediatrician who was an advocate. She said, yep, let's do it. Let's get her into, she's not babbling, not doing this. Mm -hmm. Let's start speech therapy. She's not turning over. Let's start physical therapy. So we got lucky that we just had a good um, pediatrician who advocated for us, but it was also me as a parent being able to say, here's the definitive black and white, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so how many parents are going to have that, you know, and have that at them, at their fingertips. And so it ended up being that it was a very effective tool. And I am probably one of the very first (laughs) (laughs) people who who benefited from that tool that we created for the community. And so that's how we were able to get in mm-hmm. and get services so early on without a formal diagnosis other than yeah. just delays. Right. You know? And, you know, you have so many families who don't have that privilege, access mm-hmm. to those tools. And then also we lace that with the cultural background of that uh, more passive approach. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just see. Let's just wait it out. Maybe they'll grow out of it. Or right? the ones that go, oh, do not do me your mind. Do my show them. Right. And then you get beaten down as a parent. And as a parent, nobody wants something to be wrong with their kid. Mm-hmm. You Everybody has to get ready. And if they're not ready, I understand that too, because this is a really, really tough world to be in. And nobody wants to be here. Yes. And you said that, you know, um, you've been at this for, I guess, 14 years now, right? And did did, did it feel lonely in the in the early days, early years, when you did you feel like you were the only family? Because um, I don't know, were there other families talking about disability? And 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 it's always spoken in a, I would say, in a in a, let's not talk about it type of tone, right? And mm-hmm. and if not negative, then it's a we just don't talk about it. But I hope now that the tides have shifted and we're talking about it in a positive light, like we're looking at our children as what they are capable of. You know, we're describing. I love hearing all the uh, amazing things about Alyssa, but I, I wonder if you know, even 14 years ago, it was just so hush hush. Tell me about Angelman, you know, or, or how can I yeah. be a support to you and your child? Because uh, not knowing is part of that challenge, you know, when you're not aware, you don't know what to say. Um, how has that experience been for you guys? Yeah, I think I, I, I sadly 
don't think that the community has come that far okay within the Hmong community and even in the general community right, right? yeah we have so far to yes go, we do you know um and so no it was really scary and so especially told oh your child has angelman syndrome it's a rare rare diagnosis but mm -hmm. when you think one in fifteen thousand births the chromosomes are copying so fast that it could happen to anybody yes they could have it but they may never get the diagnosis right so mm -hmm. that's why it's rare it's not rare because of occurrence it's rare because people don't get the diagnosis and then you know um know what they're dealing with so that they can properly advocate so i remember getting the diagnosis and typing it into the computer mm -hmm. and saying like what what can my child do right and so it is very very scary to be in that world and to not know anybody i know that there was a man that i found a family that was like filmed in like in the 90s i think their son had angelman and he had gone on the oprah winfrey show okay and so i looked him up <laughs> mm-hmm and I tracked him down, you know, oh, used my wow, reporting yes, skills. Yes. And I just reached out to him and I said, My daughter just got diagnosed with Angelman. Your child had Angelman. I saw you on the Oprah Winfrey uh -huh. show many years ago. Yes. Would you be willing to do a phone conversation with me? Can mm -hmm. I just ask you about your experience? So that's how desperate I was to reach out to family, right? Yeah. Right now, just in the last decade, the Angelman community has found wonderful ways to connect. There's an Angelman group here in Minnesota. There's little pockets all over mm -hmm. California. We connect, we support each other. But back in those days, those were still very early days. You didn't connect with people. You didn't know how. So right. forget even coming to the Hmong community. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even get to the Angelman community, right? Yes. So that's how lonely it is. And within the Hmong community, it was more difficult for people to understand. They would just go, oh, would you talk gaily? Oh, oh, you know, and so we don't even have the proper language to even talk about right. disability, right? That's such a not nice term, but I don't know that we have even found a replacement that the general community can understand, right. right? That's the general community will understand, oh, you're trying to say disability right now. I don't think that there is one yet right. um, that we have to brand, that we still have to define. And and you, if you don't have the words to talk about something, how can you deal with something? Exactly. How can you properly look at it and analyze it for what it is? And so I think, I think we have a long ways to go in our community, but I also want to be, be, you know, a fair and say, it's not just our community, the broader community too, mm -hmm. means True. a long ways to go, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I mean, if we look at the broader community, right? I mean, everything is, you know, social media and thanks to technology, we get to hear more stories out there. And so, you yeah. know, we talk about Angelman's being that rare um, uh, disorder, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, it, you look at other advocates out there and unfortunately you have those celebrity advocates, right? Yeah. I know in the Athens yeah. of Moral, we have the Jenny McCarthy's of the world, you know, the moms. <laughs> and, and I think for the Angelman's, um, Colin Farrell, he's an actor. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. His son has Angelman's. And so mm -hmm. I think it's really great that he kind of shines that light just to kind of let, because every more people probably would see his movies. And, and yeah. then once they see his movies, they would hear and then get that information about Angelman, you know. And so I think it's lovely whenever um, actors are willing to kind of share about their private life if it can um, benefit others, right, as far as yeah. just keep, uh, in, informing others. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that there is uh, Angelman's um, groups in Minnesota and that, you know, yeah. finding support there. Um, you know, this next question. But yeah, I think yes. even having conversations like you're having here, yes. right? If I would have found something like this in our early days, like just how wonderful this would have been to know that one, that are experiencing this because mm -hmm. the stigma is real, you know? Yes. Um, and, and so to know that I am not alone is such a big thing. And I think in those early days, I really can't say I can name you one other Hmong person 
who is vocal and out there and not ashamed to say, hey, my child has a disability and I need all hands on deck because mm -hmm. we're going to figure this out. When you get thrown into this world, you don't know which way is up. You don't right. know which way is down. It is such a confusing world. And that's for somebody who speaks this language and who understands in and out mm -hmm. how most systems work. Right. I can't name one other Hmong mother who at that time I could call up and say, oh my God, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know anybody. And so mm -hmm. the fact that you're cultivating this community, you know, however I can support, those were very lonely, sad days. And so that's why every time when you reach out, you're like, hey, so with you. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's make it to sign up time to work because this would have been so wonderful. This is still wonderful, yeah, right? Yes. So thank you for doing this. Oh, no. I, um, you know, I shared with someone recently, you know, I think as a professional, I do this, right? This is my job. I clock in, I clock out, but then Gucci, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, finally at a place in my career where I can go, okay, what's next? What can I do? What, what more can I do? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I've been serving the autism community for almost two decades now. Uh, I want to bring that this back to my mom people. Right. And then just as the world would have it, I go discover that I'm going, Oh my goodness. You know, like you, you, mm -hmm. you decide that uh, when it's your job, you go, Oh, you know, it's my job. Right. I, I have clients at work, right. but then when it like is your family, you go, okay, how do I use the tools that I have to support them? And of course, you know, right. because it's so stigmatic, you don't want to go and then be like, let me tell you all the things that I would tell you to do if you were my client, you know, it's right. hard. So right. I tried to approach it with, here's all the information I can share. And when you're ready, right. let's talk, you know? And so I, I, it would, I would be amiss, remiss if I were to just continue to clock in and clock out, you know, year after mm -hmm. year and mm -hmm. be like, you know, and they'll just figure it out. And I thought I have to do something and I'm uh, feel fortunate to be a, point in my career where I am um uh have the tools and the resource yeah, and yeah, the network yeah, to put yeah. this together and and recognizing that need and uh kind of maybe encouraging you know families and kind of you know letting this fire and saying hey you guys let's rally together right you guys have been battling your own personal isolated journeys let's come together right um in, in recognizing that um together we can learn from each other and also uplift each yeah. other you know and it doesn't and, have and to be you, yeah and you think about the fact that how hard did you have to work to get to where you are now and no other parent should have to go through what you went through yes. because they may <clears throat> not have the tools that you do you know my you know Every time I, I, I manage to get something for Alyssa, it's always with the caveat. Well, well, well that's fine that you're going to apologize now and do what's right for Alyssa. But what happens with the child standing behind her? Mm -hmm. What happens to the mom who's working two jobs, who doesn't speak English? I want her child to have that too, right? Mm -hmm. What you're giving my child is not unique. It's not above the law. It's within the law. So how do we keep that door open once we opened it for other families? And I think that's really important is to shift from us once we survive to shifting the system so that it yes. can truly better serve everybody. And I think that that's what you're talking about. You know, taking your privilege and your skills and your years of expertise and trying to have an impact that goes beyond you and your circle. And I think for me, that, that's really important too. There's a great sense of survivor's guilt, right? About I made it out to this point, but there's still a long ways to go. But as I go, uh, how do all tides lift? Because there's, there's a lot of guilt and there should be a lot of guilt. Right? Yes, yes. Um, because so much in life is about luck. I used to think it used to be hard work, and now I know it's luck. Luck plays a big part of it. But I would hope that as humans, we don't wait for luck to make life better, that we make life better for each other, right? Yes. Especially if we're lucky. So Absolutely. And, you know, that it's, thank you, Joe. Great segue to my next question. I was going to say, 
Um, I know you, I know the answer. When did you decide that you were going to make Alyssa your life's work? It was when, of course, when she was born, <laughs> but when you started recognizing yeah. it two, three months. Um, and now the challenge is, you know, I think the framework used to be, well, how do we change Alyssa to fit into the world? No, 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 no. It's how we're going to change the world to fit Alyssa. Right. And so yeah. part of that struggle, that challenge, um, what were some things you just mentioned? There were things that you would ask for. And the pushback would be, why does your child get it and not this other yeah. one? So like how many years of that did you hear before you finally mustered up the, um, you know, the just to say, well, this is I'm your mom. If not me, who else? Who's going to advocate for her? And then, you know, kind of uh, having to kind of have that total vision. Like I am here for Alyssa. And if I hope, I hope that others, by me doing this for Alyssa, others can benefit from it. Right. So like, tell me about that. Well, I, you know, and, and it is that, that I think whatever I ask for my child, I think what's really important for me. And I, and I am her best advocate when I fight for what's fair. Yeah, and I think that's really important to fight for what's fair and not fight for more. Right. Oh, yes, of course. Um, and, and so and so I think I think if I don't do it, who will? Um, and so I think w w what I've learned with Alyssa is um, it's been trying to get Alyssa these tools. And as her mother, I go back and forth like, am I doing this so that Alyssa presents better to the world? And when she presents better, the world will treat her with more respect, right? So I'm torn with changing her for the world and changing mm -hmm. the world to meet her, right? Right, right, yes. And so I'm even at 40-something now and learning, and that's what I mean about I'm growing. Like, yeah. I'm just beginning to, like, now that we're a little out of the survival mode, looking into what ableist tendencies do I have? Because growing up the way I grew up, I only know what I can know. But what am I willing to learn? You know, what am I comfortable with in my own child? So Alyssa's pretty darn amazing. But to recognize that, you have to also recognize that just because the world has always, always operated a certain way doesn't mean it has to be that way, right? And so I'm, I'm still learning these things um, because there are things like Alyssa, right? I want her to be able to walk. So that she can get around in the world easier if she has the potential to walk. I want her to be able to talk. So if she's sad, if she's hurt, um, she can tell me these things. Because how sad is it to have these feelings and to know you have these feelings and not have a way to communicate? Right. So those things I've pushed for. But as her mother, I sometimes ask myself when she stems, you know, and, mm -hmm. and she makes, um, she vocalizes because she's happy or she's mm -hmm. And I've been working really hard to just kind of say, okay, Alyssa, we're going to take deep breaths. Do I do that because I'm afraid of how the world is going to perceive her? Or do I do that because she really does stand to like, it will make less barriers for her accessing the world. And so as a mother, when you ask the question about where did I stop changing Alyssa to meet the world and start thinking I need to change the world? Those are the, the things that, now I'm outside of that survival mode mm -hmm. that I can finally have the bandwidth to start addressing, right? Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I'm still working through that. Yeah. I want to be thoughtful because I have the time to, to think now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, but those are ongoing things that we need to think about, right? As, as able-bodied people who have probably a lot of ableist tendencies that we're not even aware of. Right. Um, so I think that's something that I'm still growing in that I'm learning and I'm yeah. trying to cultivate mentors and people around to teach me what I don't know. You know? Yes. You know, even as a professional in the field, you know, when I first started over a decade ago, stemming, you know, like, oh, we're going to redirect. We're going to give them something else yes. to do. Right. And now the tides have shifted and we're trying to uh, cultivate this new um where we are perspective where we're like, you know what, we're going to embrace the stemming, right? The yeah. stemming is okay. It's them self-regulating, right? So it's, yeah. even as professional, it's nice to see that shift and go, what we used to do is now kind of, you know, the opposite. And and yet both are okay, you know, um, okay. at, at right. that, in that uh, place in time. And so um, kind of being flexible to teaching professionals to be flexible, just as yeah. we demand that of our children, 
you know, of our yes. parents, of ourselves. So it, it, you're right. It's such a learning opportunity for all of us. As parents, as professionals, as human beings, as community members, have that flexibility that what you once held so true and dearly to, if it changes, hey, there's, there's a reason why, you know. And um, if it benefits, especially if it benefits the individuals yeah. at the heart of it, why not, right? As a field, right. we as have long had as to. Person centered. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, oh my gosh, Joa, I I'm just always <laughs> am so inspired when I get to chat with you and just hear about all the things that you did. Oh, you know, I, I just realized I missed a very important question here. Okay. Um, oh, this one, I I didn't go into this with you before. And I know you've always been very vocal, very transparent about all the legal battles that you guys have been through yeah. for Miss Alyssa, mm-hmm. even before the age of four, because that's when you guys left mm-hmm. California yeah. for where you're at yeah. now. So legal issues aside, how did you dig deep to keep going after the system, to go keep going after the system when you saw that what they were offering your child just wasn't enough? You know, they were like, um, not saying they were giving you the bare minimum, but you were just like, no, I need more. My child needs more. Yeah. And I know there's more. Right. And I, I need you to provide it. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. Like what? Gosh, mama bear. Oh my gosh. Mama bear of the century for sure. But like, yeah, what kept you going when all the people that were supposed to be helping you to access all these things for Alyssa were telling you no, turning you down, pushing back. Like, tell me about that journey. Yeah, well, um, so we left California when she was eight. So she oh, started eight, ABA yes. when she was four. Okay. So we've had so many battles. It was a battle to get her ABA services. It was a battle to get her proper supports um, in using her communication device. Because let's be honest, a lot of people, amazing speech therapists, have never really taught somebody with IDD and intellectual and developmental disability how to use a communication device, right? There's all these theories, but when you go to someone and say, how many children who right now cannot read yet, um, who do not know their ABCs yet, how have you been able, how many people have been able to successfully teach a child like that how to communicate? I think a lot of them would say zero, you know, that they've ever been put in that situation. And so I think for me, there was a lot of grace and and I recognize that there's compassion and empathy on the other side. They don't know what they don't know either. Right. So for me, I've always said, it's not that there's been ever in evil or bad people. It's been people who have held on to this idea that I know it best and I'm the expert. Mm -hmm. When I'm, I don't believe that our children or our lives can fit in boxes, nice, neat little boxes. And I am a fan of always thinking outside the box, because when I was born, I didn't know where the box was, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I've never really colored within any lines. (laughs) I've never been the type of mom girl that was supposed to be quiet and sit back. I I couldn't find those boxes. And so (laughs) I live my life so differently. um, And I believe in thinking through things. And so whether you have a teacher, an administrator, or a therapist who's been doing something eight years or 800 years, I don't care how many years they've been doing it. I will take the person who is willing to come together and say, hey, Zoa, let's figure this out. Let's problem solve this. And if they've been a teacher who's been on the job eight days, I'll take them over the one who's been doing it 800 years. Yeah. Because then I know we can think of something better, something bigger, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's always been that attitude. When I get to that point, when I have am forced to file um, legal action or due process, it's because I've begged, I've pleaded, I've gone there, I've tried to have the conversations, and it feels like when these structures and systems won't be open to having a meaningful conversation, then it's not a choice because I love people to love me. I'm a people pleaser. So it's really hard for me to ever do that. But it, I do that when I get to the point where I can't look my own daughter in the eyes and know that I've done everything in my power to give her the best chance. I would do the same for her brothers. And the fact that I'm letting my fear keep me from doing that for her, when I can't look at myself or her anymore is when I finally do it, which sucks, right? Yeah. You should never get to that point. But as a Hmong girl who grew up in the culture mm-hmm. <laughs> of patriar- patriarchy as a refugee, yes. you know, I have a lot of my own self issues that I need to get over. 
and it's a constant battle but but i once i've been extremely patient once i've done so much then when i go in i i i am very comfortable with what i have to do because i've let myself get to that point so you know i'm not probably the best advocate because i don't just immediately threaten people right away i don't like i don't like that i don't even like talking in those terminology it really scares me you know and mm-hmm. it makes me feel uncomfortable but what do they say don't mistake my um my kindness for weakness yes right yes and i think that's really that's true in my case you know i can be very kind and very supportive and very understanding but only to a certain point and if i can't do it for myself I have to find the courage to do it for my daughter. Absolutely. Gosh, I, one of these days we're going to tap in all of these things. I <laughs> just, I would love to do a workshop because I, I did a, you know, I had a chat recently and what I kept hearing was that, and you know, maybe this is an overgeneralization, right? That a lot of Hmong families, they're, they're just happy to receive services. Anything we give them, they're just okay, they're happy to go along with it. And I'm going, well, they should question what's happening. They should have questions. Yes. They should be invested, you know? And so it's like, how do we teach that, right? How do we let them know they have rights, that they can contest what's going on? Um, I see that happening more and more. And, um, you know, I think that just kind of informing the parents of their rights is the first thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, again, I go back to we got to work on awareness. got to make sure yes. people even know what autism is, what de- developmental disability is, first of all. And then let's scratch the surface and then let's, we'll get right. into the nitty gritty. And that's I, I hope that we will have a longtime partner and allying you, Joan, and the <laughs> parent advocacy allying you. And you've been such a role model and inspiration to me just to go there's a bright light of someone who has been there, done it, and you know, like you said, you're kind of out of that survivor mode. And, you know, I, but I would say, though, that you have been thriving, that Alyssa has been, been thriving due to your advocacy, due to your unrelenting, you know, support and love for her. And when you talk about her, it just inspires me to be a better mom myself. And, you know, I'm just so yeah. honored to even be in your presence to know that more like young sisters, a, you know, have gone up the, you know, gone up against the system and changed it for their child. And so thank you so much for doing that for all of us, whether you knew that you were doing that or at all. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you know, the, the truth is, it's a journey, right? I, I, I may have survived certain things and I'm um, thriving now, but I also recognize there's so many things I don't know. There are older um, uh, mom, sisters and brothers who've gone ahead and right now I feel like I'm back at grand zero, right? I, I worked so many years in those early years to get her settled in school, but my research tells me, yeah. <laughs> my conversations with brothers and sisters tell me, there, it's, it's gonna get more difficult. Yes. The next phase is the transition phase. Mm-hmm. It's I see the next hurdle on the horizon. I look at housing issues. Where is she yeah. going to live with me? Where, where is she going to live without me? And there's so many big issues. And so I, and in that realm, I'm brand new. I'm still learning. I don't know what I don't know. I still don't know which way is up, which way is down. And I am calling on brothers and sisters who've been here before to help me, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking out to people and finding mentors to support me. So that's why I think for me, like it, whatever I can do to support and help, I am more than happy to. And, you know, moms email me, text me, big things, little things, just like you do, right? Uh-huh. We're all here for each other because we are just on one part of this journey. We are not at the beginning anymore, but we're also not at the end. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's a continuum. Yes. And, you know, the journey, like you said, there are ups and downs. There's times when you're like, ooh, I can finally breathe. But then you're like, oh, my gosh, there's the next hurdle, right? Um, yeah. And so as long as we can continue to have these conversations to ensure that our mom, brothers, and sisters don't feel alone. 
You know, that's, it's, yeah. that's the bottom line, you know, um, it, it already is hard as it is. And if we could just kind of, you know, alleviate that by just letting everyone know that you're not alone. There are others, um, you know, maybe not the same journey, but they're traveling very closely. Um, that's the one takeaway. Um, what is next for Miss Alyssa? 14, boy crazy, yeah. you know, uh, K-pop <laughs> fan. Um, high school, right? She's in high you school. Know, yeah. Yes, yeah. She's okay. going to go to high school next year. Okay. Okay. Yes, high school next year. Nice. And, and like what I tell her brothers and I tell her too is you own you. Mm-hmm. You are in charge of you. So I tell John, I said, Hey John, you're the boss of you. And I tell us the same thing. Uh-huh. Alyssa, you are the boss of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we will follow her wherever she goes. Right now, she enjoys going and um, watching all of her friends play adapted sports. Yeah. You know, there's a different sport every season. She's doing the whole school thing. Um, loves music, loves shows. That's where she's at now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll follow her and let, let her take the lead, right? Yeah. Um, because we don't know. I used to think I knew everything she needed and wanted. And now she's this this human being who... <laughs> is coming out and telling us her likes and so i can't really predict that but i know that she loves people so whatever mm-hmm. it is she will continue to be in the community she yes. will be her and for us it's like how do we evolve and change with her as she changes right. um so I, I i don't know except that she has a good life and she's happy yeah um and you know we're, we're getting ready for that next phase what 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 does career transition look like for her we don't know any of these things yet Mm -hmm. so we're just kind of holding our breath and trying to enjoy and 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 appreciating how far she's come yes and you know like you said she put in all those hours all those years yeah 40 50 plus hours can you imagine Mm -hmm. 40 hours that's a full-time job of just yep. therapy, people in your face all day long, de- having to de- placing demands on you, asking you, and I mean, even as an adult, you probably in, in a lot of eight hours, you're exhausted, you need time, but a <laughs> child, so she's put in all the work, and look at her, she's thriving, and it was funny, uh, I'll end with that story, you were telling me at the beginning about how now, you know, you guys are going up to support her brothers, right, it's her turn yes. to be the cheerleader, and go and watch them <laughs> for all those years where they were kind of like joining you guys who are to watch her at therapy. So I love that. It's, um, gosh, you know, for a lack of a better term, how normal is that? Right? Yeah. How amazingly. And she's not special. <laughs> she's not special. So she yeah. She to not go to all their baseball games. And she has to travel to Iowa with me. And oh, goodness. she's so annoyed. She'll cross her legs and wear her cap <laughs> and stare at all the cute boys. And I'm like, Alyssa, payback? Payback is not fun. But for <laughs> all your years of when John and Matt sat through all your therapies, you know, mm-hmm. this is you paying them back. And this is what we do as a family. We support each other and yes. we love each other. And so... I think Alyssa just has to remember, she's not special. <laughs> no special for her. So. I love that. Well, Joel, thank you for sharing yeah. your story. I always love to catch up and just see how things are going. But every time, I'm just so inspired. I'm like, what else am I going to go out there and do in the world to make Joel proud of me? So thank you so much oh, for your geez. time. <laughs> thank you, Tia, for everything you do, for our family, for every family that's out there by pulling us together creating this network, right? And uh, making sure that we have conversations because knowledge and conversations and and getting the secrecy out of all this stuff, taking stuff out of the dark is how you empower people. And so I'm so appreciative of you doing that because this is that very first step, you know? So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ujjawa, thank you so much for listening to season one of Let's Talk About Autism in Monglish. I will return in the new year with season two. If you would like to be a guest on my podcast and share your story, please reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. The links are in the podcast description, and I look forward to hearing from you.